How many people want to kick some ass? Welcome back to EnterTheRealWorld.com. This is Kicky Punchy Men, a wonderfully named podcast named by my co-host Ben Phillips. I'm Matt Waters. This is episode four, John Wick, chapter two. Ben, how are you feeling? We've seen many kicks, we've seen many punches. More accurately, we've seen a lot more like guns being fired. But Kicky Punchy Men it is. How are you? I'm good. I am impressed that the John Wick movies keep on getting longer titles, and <laughs> I have no idea how they're going to one-up it for the fourth movie. Yeah, we've gone from just John Wick to John Wick Chapter 2 to John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, and it's like, where do you go from there? Like, Ghost <laughs> Protocol. <laughs> John Wick Chapter 3 Part 2 Antebellum. <laughs> Lady Antebellum. Yes, this is John Wick Chapter 2, released February 2017, so just over two years after the first. Chad Stileski's back, Leech has bounced to go do Atomic Blonde, etc. Maintains executive producer credit. Probably was very involved in the big picture crafting of the movie, but just not there on a day-to-day level in the same way. It's, it's a shame, because Atomic Blonde really isn't as interesting as this movie. Have you have you seen Atomic Blonde? I haven't. It's been on my queue forever. and I It's so it. weird in that it should, like, Charlize Theron playing bisexual action goddess is, yeah. should be, like, a slam dunk for, for whatever reason the movie just gets so bogged down in plot Mm. which is something that John Wick movies don't do or at least when they do they use it and deploy it as a weapon like we discussed in episode one how the first 30 minutes of John Wick are used to build up this tension for when the action finally starts you you feel like you're being given a present and (laughs) Atomic Blonde has some great fight scenes in it but it's just so much less interesting and I feel the pit that people are really enthusiastic about are Charlie is just flirting outrageously and possibly more than flirting with everyone in the cast and that's the stuff I see people enthusiastic about and yeah i don't know but david colstad is back as writer they got double the budget roughly and it made a hundred million extra dollars as an outcome i mean it pretty much doubled it didn't it i think each of these movies pretty much doubles the previous movie's gross which shows what an exciting franchise this is because the marvel movies have been increasing but it feels like there is a ceiling for the non-avengers movies in a lot of ways like and at the moment it feels like a billion dollars is where the marvel movies are out but for a movie across three movies to double its gross each Mm. time is impressive yeah marvel's kind of broken how we talk about numbers in hollywood hasn't it because you talk about a billion like it's no big deal it's like a hundred million is actually quite a big deal depending on what your budget was (laughs) yeah i mean it's the entire issue with the way that the mid-budget movie has disappeared like nowadays the only movies that really get made are little tiny micro-budget indie movies that are going for oscar glory and with like a star taking a massive pay cut and some people maybe not even being paid and or it's a hundred million dollar special effects driven we want that disney money type yes. <laughs> it is a bit longer it's two hours two minutes i think it's a smidge long there are certainly five to ten minutes i can identify that it sags in but Ooh. less of a problem than in three where there's probably up to half an hour it sags in but it's very simple the first one was a hit Lionsgate, come on board give them more money and it makes more money and i think the reason i would say two is better than one is it maintains a lot of the stuff that I like about one but it builds that world out so much more with the markers and the international aspect and accounts processing and the Bowery King and just all of that sort of shit is 
it, it makes and me how, giddy to see that yeah, kind of just, world build. Just how everyone has different names. Like when he shows up in Italy and they start like de- decking him out, and he goes to see the sommelier, the but it's sommelier. not a sommelier for drinks. Oh my god! So and it's good. just Peter Serafinowicz giving him loads of guns and talking about like all the different <laughs> makes and the tailor who's making him like bulletproof suits and whatnot. Yeah. It's I know, like yeah, this is a franchise that nails how to make you it doesn't give you too much but it knows exactly what information to deploy to make you more interested in what's going on they have successfully added a layer of intrigue to what this world of assassins is each time out and i I think it was better here the jump from one to two versus two to three i think is more profound but but then i think the action is for the most part as good or better like i think catacombs is kind of a better version of Red Circle to me. You may think Red Circle's better, I don't know, but to have Common and Ruby Rose as this one-two punch of his, like, relative equals and then you have Santino who is kind of a blend of Nyquist and Alfie Allen. You hate him on the level that you did Alfie Allen, but he's, like, an actor more in the realm of, of Michael Nyquist. Like, I, I don't know, he's somewhere in between. He's not as physical as Nyquist, he's probably more dangerous than Alfie Allen. I feel it's built on it very well. Like, it's done what sequels should do. It is more of what you like, but bigger and more. Bigger stakes, and also, like, I feel John Wick feels more vulnerable every time out as well. I think because of that whole thing of them happening so close together, like a week after and then an hour afterwards, he doesn't really get a chance to breathe, and, like, the consequences of what he is doing just get more and more radical each time where we end this movie where he is excommunicado and there is an open contract on him from everyone in the world, pretty much. It's crazy. And then the third one to end with, like, him in outright war against the high table and trying to, like, lead a revolution. Like, there is that impressive sense of bigger and bigger stakes each time out. Yeah, and I feel like in some ways it feels to the movie's detriment, and we'll get to it more when we get to John Wick 3, Mm. but I think the ending to this movie is kind of incredible. Yeah, I think it's very good at the end. It is a movie which, gone is the one-sentence pitch that you can do. Like, there is no one-sentence pitch of this movie, really, because... But I think John Wick was such a thing that you could just say, oh, it's another John Wick, and people are like, cool. And oh, yeah, you, you talked about how Mission Impossible has kind of become a franchise where give me one of those every two years and I'm there. And that's kind of how I feel about John Wick. And I feel John Wick 2 managed to rise to that occasion and get better. I feel John Wick 3 was a little bit of a letdown, but it is still scratching that itch of like, I could really go for a John Wick right now because I know I'm not going to get another raid, but I am probably going to get a John Wick. Oh, well, we're definitely getting a John Wick 4. We'll see what happens because they planned for this to just be a trilogy, but I think. They became a victim of their own success and just they now must persist for as long as Keanu is willing to make them. Yeah, um, I mean, that that's the thing, is the Mission Impossible movies feel like enclosed entities and obviously they've started building more legacy-enhancing things and references and callbacks in the more recent movies, but you go into a Mission Impossible movie and you know by the end of it that everything's going to be concluded. And mm-hmm. I went into this knowing that John Wick 3 wasn't the end of a story, but still being like, wow, I kind of wish John Wick 3 was the end of a story based on how this one ends. Because it feels yeah. like it feels like the kettle is about to just kind of explode and you yeah. really want to see what that ends up being. And again, that's more problems for John Wick 3. Because this yes. movie is so fascinatingly structured in that it isn't a movie that operates on its own internal logic at all. In that the first scene of this movie is... Well, the first scene of the movie is John Wick 
chasing down some guys on motorcycles to <sighs> to find out where a the chop shop is where his car ended up going. Yeah, and it's, um, it's with Vigo's brother, Peter Stormare is here. I do like that both of those actors are Swedish playing Russian gangsters. It's just a fun <laughs> thing. But yeah, but the, the first scene in this movie, or the first chunk of it, is literally just an epilogue for John Wick 1. Yeah, and I kind of wish is... it wasn't here in some way. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is it, It's a good action set piece i think the issue with this one is like we talk about geography a lot in part one and when john wick finally gets his car and goes on his rampage and does some really cool stunts where like he boots a guy with the back of his car into a steel girder and just some like really cool stuff like that he then drives off outside into the docks or wherever it is that the that the warehouse is and you think oh he's going to escape but then he has to drive back through the warehouse to come back out and just the sense of geography is really kind of diminished in the entire scene even if it is fun to see Mm. peter stormare sat in a room reacting to john wick (laughs) doing all these intense what a fucking pencil! Who can do that? <laughs> and I do like that they pay that off in three. Very good stuff. But yeah, I just I kind of wish this whole section wasn't really here. Like as I said, like it's just my personal taste. I'm not really excited by car type stuff in movies for the most part. A, a chase scene's got to be really good for me to be like, ah, oh, cool. And a lot of the time, I'm like, oh, this feels so nest. Like ho- the Hollywood machine has plugged in a car chase here because this is where you do car chases. And the thing is, it doesn't feel like a car chase to me. It's not a car chase, no. But I mean, because they're still doing stunts with it. It's still yeah. lots of one take shots of John Wick just causing violence with a car, which I think mm. is the interesting part of it. Is I don't think this series ever really does. Car chases. The closest know, we the get. The third one feels like it the, th- has the a third couple. one. The third one does have that, but even then, it's like a motorcycle chase, and I guess it's an inverted chase in that. Well, I guess it's they're chasing him, because <laughs> well, yeah. we traditionally think of a car chase scene as the hero is chasing the villain. But yeah, he's trying I, to get away. I would, yeah, I like... would just rather see him kill people with his hands or guns than with a car. But yeah, it's it's my least favorite section of the movie, and I think it is because it relies entirely upon number one and wrapping up something that really didn't need to be wrapped up from the first movie and it also feels like uh, hey just in case you didn't see the first one here's your crash course in what john wick is yes uh, i kind of wish your crash course was like just repeating the first one of it starts quiet and he refuses the violence and then when he is pushed here comes the violence whereas if this it... was your first one and it's just he is immediately like the most violent man you've ever seen in your life it's like oh okay and yeah, I, th- I I do like though that the kind of the payoff to this scene is, and I wish it was how the movie starts. Is him returning home from this mm. incredibly violent day that he's had, and then he just kind of gets cement and then yeah. repasses up. Yeah, his... re reconcretes over all the stuff in the basement, like rests in bed with his dog, and then like you see him just throwing a ball around with the dog in his yard, and it's like, oh, this is all like just really nice. And Aurelio is back, and that's the thing. Like for all of the new stuff they introduce you do have that connective tissue from one to two and then from i guess from two to three like aurelio obviously isn't in the third one but you know the staff of the continental and aurelio and stuff like that they're they're all here and he's like you know i uh, also i do like that he goes to all this trouble to get his car back and then within about five seconds he completely fucks (laughs) it up and it's like more damaged than it ever would have been (laughs) and then aurelio has to fix it for him and stuff like that but so santino shows up 
and he wants to cash in on, on this marker, which is a thing we don't know what it is at this point, but I guess you can kind of take from it that it is a sort of a blood oath, an IOU type deal where... And uh, what is it, an unbreakable vow from Harry Potter? Yes, yes, exactly, this kind of thing. And Santino makes a real thing of it that if you'd stayed retired, I would have respected that. But as you started killing people again, you owe me. And it's implied or outright stated Santino in some way assisted him with his impossible task, which they mentioned in the first one of like, you know, he had to do a ridiculous amount of killing or kill a specific very hard to kill person uh, in one night or whatever. And then he would be allowed to walk away from the life of the assassins to go be with Helen. But yeah, Santino in some way helped him. And now he wants to cash in. And John obviously says no. And they're like, okay, and then they blow his house up. And it's extremely important the dog survives this time, because <laughs> if they had killed two dogs in a row, bad times. And that dog is fucking adorable, the one that he has. And I think Keanu Reeves adopted this dog for realsies. But yeah. Wow, why does he hate the first dog? <laughs> well, it died. <laughs> I don't know, it's a I puppy. Mean, it, it did die. They did not actually Yeah, but he gets more time with this dog. Like He does, he does. It's a cute cute dog. Is this franchise building up to, because obviously there's more dog stunts in number three, are they building up to some actual dog stunts from this dog in the future? Oh god, no, I want this dog to remain pure. You know, he's <laughs> just a good boy who doesn't have a name and just sit. And like, you think about how much time he's had this dog and it is so obedient to him and it's this trope in movies where animals like the hero, generally. And I watched Good Time last night and that's, that's a fun little link there. So they blow his house up and he's like, you know, he goes to see, you know, Jimmy comes back and, and is like, noise complaint? No, you know, in the first one, it's noise complaint, noise complaint. And this time it's gas leak, gas leak. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, they have these rhetorical questions. And are you working? And it's like, I don't. does he say I don't know this time? Or is he like, I, I guess I am? Or I don't know. But yeah, yeah. it's a fun little, like, connect. Because obviously from here he goes to the Continental. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really touch on Ian McShane very yeah. much in the first one, because he doesn't have a lot to do in the first one. Yeah, it's I kind feel of his more... role is a lot more diminished in that first one, where like he is reluctant to even help him in the first one, and helps him in secret, and then he comes back at the end to kill Perkins. But he is treated as like almost the second most important character behind John from this point onwards. Yeah, I think it's them reacting to just how much the Continental stuff kind of blew up yeah. in that first movie and maybe a little bit of realisation like oh shit we've got Ian McShane on like a multi-movie contract <laughs> so let's actually use him because Ian McShane is one of those people who is so frequently misused yeah. like for for someone who has potentially one of the, the defining characters of the 21st century with Al Swearingen there really isn't anything else to kind of recommend to kind of do a deep dive into Ian McShane being great I just feel like he gets cast in like roles that aren't enough for him to really play with or it's uh, yeah i don't know he just kind of pops up here and there and sometimes it's like in a nothing part where he's sleepwalking through it and i feel that might have been the case for the first one but then they're like okay let's give you some meat here and he's like clearly having a lot of fun like reveling in being like the master of his domain and like you know the king of the continental and all of that yeah and he obviously does an awful lot of world building like he explains to john about how he will be breaking the other of the unbreakable rules if he doesn't if he doesn't fulfill the yeah you can't you can't kill the owner of your marker you can't what is it disrespect the terms of the marker something like that and you uh, yeah every every marker must be honored yes the mentions of the high table and stuff like that and basically saying look you've got to do it so off he goes and he has to just sit opposite this person that tried to kill him 
perhaps knowing he wouldn't actually die, but yeah, but like he has to go, and like Santino even says, like, you know, you're thinking about it right now, like how would you do it, and stuff like that, and it's just like, this is what this world is, it is being completely honour-bound to someone you despise, and it's just really fun, and like, you know, he sets him up as like, you know, I want you to go kill my sister so I can take her seat on the high table, and we're off to Rome, and there is another continental in Europe, and you have uh, Franco Nero as the European Winston, and I love that he asks, are you here for the Pope? He's like, no, and he's like, okay, good. And it's like that. That is like a thing that's in the realm of possibility. Um, and yeah, this sequence is just incredible. Like this, followed by the catacombs, followed by like the hit being put on John, and you seeing accounts payable. This is the stretch of the movie where I'm like, fuck, they have crushed it with this sequel because like seeing the sommelier, as you said, and the and the tailor, and the less exciting one is that he gets the map and the keys to the catacombs and everything. But yeah, Peter yeah, Serafinovitz is and having even. even- no, no. Even even down to like when they get to the party, it feels like a sequel to the Red Circle. In that, it's another mm-hmm. big kind of booming <laughs> nightclub yes. kind of event that's going on. Everyone is so well cast and so fun here. Like this is Peter yeah. Serafino showing up for for two minutes and having a so way memorable the time. though, so memorable. Do you think these bulletproof suits? in some ways do you think they make the movies better or worse because i can see how on the one hand you can get some fun stuff out of it where it basically turns it fully into a video game where a gunshot doesn't just completely fuck you up and you can have funny stuff like halle berry shooting him just because she's annoyed at him in the third one knowing he'll survive it but then also it does get a little bit ridiculous when they're just shooting him full on from behind in the back and he just turns around and shoots them yeah i mean the worst offender is at the end of number three (laughs) but again we'll we'll get to that Uh, i don't think they break the movie because i think it just adds to another worldly element to john wick yeah like a real life bulletproof vest can take one maybe two shots and then it's fucked yeah, uh, like but it, these it, things it, are just beyond anything in real life. Yeah, it's it's like Mithril. Yeah, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I do really like that when he puts on. Well, he does this in America. Like he goes to it because they blow up the house, so he has to go to his safety deposit box and get all of his stuff. And he he puts on another suit and everything. And he has this moment where he just sort of screams, and then he comes out wearing the suit and everything. And it's like he is so desperate to get away from this life, and here he is back in it. And the only way to get out of it is to be John Wick, you know, to be Baba Yaga. But it seems that every time he thinks he's done something to secure that escape, he's actually embedded himself even further in it to the point he can never get out. And like, he literally makes a promise in the third one to live this life forever now. But it's all good fun stuff. And then, yeah, this this catacomb scene, like, I love this. Like, him leaving the rifle in the catacombs to come back for later. And then, like, he comes to Gianna and she slits her wrists before he can kill her but then which is a a fantastic scene i love that she's like i'm not i want to die with dignity and so i'm gonna take my own life i live my life on my own terms so i will die on my own terms yeah and you get the reference that john and cassian know each other Mm -hmm. and when cassian sees john coming out of the bath where his his ward is yeah he's just like oh fuck He's like, like good night, and he's like, I'm afraid so. And just like, is there this implication that Cassian and Gianna were lovers? 
has she just always been good to him and he feels this debt to her? Or is it just like, you know, I take my job very seriously? Because he seems genuinely quite devastated by her death. Where they have a little momentary scuffle and I actually quite like that they both shoot each other and then just both get back up. Like, that, that's a fun little use of the bulletproof suits. Um, yeah, like, it, the bits of it where it feels good and feels like a payoff and there's other bits where it's like, it's unrealistic for John Wick not to get shot here, let's have a reason why he can he, survive it. He can survive it, rather than yeah. this, which is like, it's a fun moment where they're both wearing bulletproof suits and they're both evenly matched. And Common is so fucking good. In this Common movie. is great. Like, he keeps getting cast as hitmen in various films, but I think it's just, you know, he's a menacing looking guy, despite being, on all accounts, one of the nicest fucking rappers out there. <laughs> but, you know, he is reasonably tall and he is good at looking menacing. Um, and he's, I think, like Keanu, he is good at acting with silence and with minimal dialogue. And I think having these two opposite each other is that it works really well. Where and like they, they you know, Ruby Rose is, is literally mute in this. Um, and that may be because she arguably has some limitations as an actor that they hide by just having her be a pure physical presence, which she is someone who has a very unique physical presence. Yeah. In terms of just being somewhat androgynous mm-hmm. and like phenomenally attractive to both sexes. <laughs> yeah, she is I mean, like I, I know that she's gender fluid and yes. all these different things where she is kind of and probably one of the most prominent actors uh, out there who who is someone who is in any way gender fluid. I think she's people. talked about how she strongly considered having an operation, but she just never did it. And she, I that's think, the, she does still she, go with female pronouns. She but... does still use. She does still use female pronouns. I think she does still identify as a lesbian. And I, they keep it to a minimum. But like, I think there are a lot of roles where she pops up in where she has to be hypersexualized because I feel a lot of people got to know her in Orange Is the New Black, where it's like here is just yeah, here is sex this, on this, legs, like bolt of lightning role in this show in one of the show's weaker seasons yeah. and like you know I, hands in the air I was fucking obsessed with her after I saw her for a while and like you know she does that she does that quick moment where she has to frisk John and it's like it's not as egregious as it could be but like it did bother me a little bit that, like, yeah I mean and, and now there, she's, but... she's she's sadly locked into a, a CW contract now um, I can't I'm imagine not... Batwoman is good I just can't I've, I've not seen any of it so I can't comment but I might end up watching the um, Crisis on Infinite Earths at some point to see whether or not she is. I think good. I've seen the scene where they're all reflecting on what happens at the end, and I was like, eh, I suppose she's there. But yeah, like, this movie, whilst the cast isn't that deep, like, you look at it in comparison to the first one, I think everyone here gets to do more interesting stuff. Like, Ruby Rose is deployed perfectly. Common is probably my favourite like, John Wick chief. villain? <laughs> John Wick villain, yeah. I yeah. think he is, he's easily the best at that. Ian McShane finally gets to prove why you've hired Ian McShane for this movie. Lance Reddick gets to have a lot more fun than just being the concierge. Yes. I do um, really like he's called Caron, by the way. You yes. Know, taking coins to give safe passage. Like, oh, good stuff. And we haven't even hit on the kind of the big surprise actor that I text you excitedly, not even realising they're in this goddamn movie. <laughs> but yeah, like, this fight is great. Apart from it's my big issue with some John Wick fight scenes, which is, one, it goes on too long. Probably. And two, it's just a lot of faceless guys who are just there to be mowed down by assault rifles, which is not 
my favourite form of John Wick combat. No, and then the scene, I do the like... scene immediately perks up afterwards because Common shows up and there's this great <laughs> scrappy fight where neither of them has the upper hand through through Rome. And, there's, the no, and there's no music. It's just them grunting and falling and thudding and everything. Yeah, yeah I, I do is, really like is, that. It's fucking great. But in the catacombs, I'm just like, I you I'm... lose a little bit of the geography. And you also have the issue where some of the scenes are shot in a way where rather than being behind John Wick and seeing what he can see, John Wick is shooting people off screen and you're not getting that same sense of kind of like the ballet and you're seeing what he's reacting to. He's just kind of being hyper-competent, but there's just a visual language that is less interesting to me in this scene, even if the ultimate payoff is like probably one of the better action sequences in this movie. I do think in 2 and 3 there is this thing they get caught in where he is walking towards camera and then guys just appear seemingly from nowhere and he shoots them and it's like if I could have seen this corridor before I would know you're safe but like because you're walking towards the camera it kind of seems like there was a dude just standing there that you didn't pay any attention to and then suddenly you shoot him. I do really like the moment where he pins a dude against the wall with his assault rifle and reloads against (laughs) him. I think that's a fun little moment but yes, yeah, there is something about it I prefer to Red Circle but it probably isn't quite as it hasn't like hit its goal quite in the same way. I think it's interesting in that I think this is the best John Wick movie but I wouldn't put any of the fight scenes from this movie in my top three. But I think that's just an interesting wrinkle of it, which is I think this movie is really consistent across the board, and mm. I could probably be, be convinced that like the montage coming up might be in my top three. I could be convinced <laughs> that the final scene in the mirror, the Hall of Mirrors could be in my top three. But I just think there is a level of quality to this movie, and it doesn't necessarily mean that any fight scenes are better or worse than others it just means that there are higher highs in one and three i think it all flows together is the strength whereas the first Mm. one feels like it takes place over several days and like they are kind of detached from each other whereas this one it's like the hit leads to the fight with with common and then he has to come back to New York and he is getting assaulted the whole way back. And then, you know, it all kind of blends together in a way that makes it as an overall experience really satisfying. Yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, it's none a shorter of the, period of time. Yeah. And so everything is building and building and building and building. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, them having this sort of silent fight and spilling down all the stairs and everything, and then accidentally... They fall down so many stairs. They do. One of the only stunts Keanu didn't do. (laughs) And also getting hit by cars, which John does in this one and the third one. (laughs) They spill into the Continental by accident, and they just have to stop and have this quiet drink. I love that they both know what the other's drink is. Like, (laughs) you you spend so much time travelling around the world, you know what your fellow hitmen, or bodyguards, or whatever career you're doing, like, what they drink. And And they phrase it in slightly different ways as well like it's just really good like common is really bringing it here like for like the other career turned actor types common has got to be up there as one of the better ones like he's really crossed over to the point where like his albums are kind of an afterthought at this point but like i'm excited when i see him on a cast list these days and this probably helped with that a great deal but yeah them having this quiet drink and like you see ruby rose in the background while they're drinking before john sees her and like that they keep her in the background they don't like do a camera cut to see her watching them or whatever like it's a fun little thing where it's like oh she was there the whole time and john continues to know all the languages including sign which <laughs> is fun because i mean like throughout this what's it he speaks what english italian russian, russian indonesian possibly japanese american sign language 
probably something else I've forgotten about. Um, yeah, I have a very important question to you. Who's the better rapper, Common or Fat Joe? Common. Is that really a question? I'm just because they both played the same character in the Happy Feet series. <laughs> Okay. Well, Common wrote the best rap song of all time, and Fat Joe didn't. So, <laughs> there's my review. So, Santino puts this open hit on John uh, to protect himself, because, you know... Yeah, he's fulfilled the hit, and he's like, well, uh, he's going to come back and get me now. He's yeah. he's done what he needs to do, and John is completely in his rights to come murder me. Although, he is about to become a member of the high table, so that would... I, be I, I guess it's like, he, there's but enough he's not time. yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, is he's got enough time before he gets ordained into the high table that John could come and murder yeah. him. You blow up his house, and the the part lost in that is that's all of the pictures of his wife that was the home he had with his wife is it's not just they blow up in my house it's like he's losing vestiges of helen film by film kind of thing but yeah this this scene with accounts payable grinning ear to ear when i watched this in the theater like like seeing it's such an interesting visual and stylistic choice to have it all be kind of suicide girls as pinup models yes from the 1950s yes a hundred percent that pinup models with like sleeves and piercings and and all of this stuff it's so cool and they have all these they've got typewriters and pneumatic tubes and dot matrix computers and switchboards but then this all fuels like a global text messaging system and, and all of this sort of stuff like the blending of the old and the new yeah and and even down to they've got analog clocks sat there and they're mm-hmm. waiting for like time like they give you a time for when this is going to get set up and just and then they all watch this big central clock rather than <laughs> it's, really it's, it's great and then it leads immediately into my favourite sequence of the movie. Yeah, the, the montage of people picking up and then fighting him. Um, it, the, the diversity of the assassins is gorgeous. This street musician, this giant sumo wrestler dude, the, the, the people in the underground who he kills with the pencil just all really 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 good stuff yeah like just the person playing the violin who then turns the violin into a gun <laughs> well no is it a flute she's using no it's a violin yeah. it's a violin yeah turns it into a to, into a gun and just yeah it's does that thing where it's not told chronologically yeah. and you pick up which one he's fighting in which order but they're all intercut together yeah. and so you see him get an injury and then you know oh that's why he's clasping at his side during mm-hmm. this particular fight scene and it just builds and builds and builds until you get the payoff of he killed that guy with a fucking pencil yeah so he, he, kills two awesome. <laughs> he kills two of them with a pencil and then it finally leads into him on the on the new york subway yes stabbing a guy in the crotch <laughs> and then running into common yeah and- also sumo dude being able to take a shot to the top of the head is extreme but hey uh yeah them shooting at each other in the subway while no one can tell i was because like the silences are magic yeah like this is farcical but i love it and also how they keep on missing like they keep on shooting but they keep on shooting at the exact same time to miss in the exact same way where they both keep hitting like yeah. John keeps hitting the the barrier on the the walkway that the common is walking on above him and yeah it's just so good and then they have this intense fight on the train and people finally are noticing and are screaming and running away they have this just really good fight where you know, they talked earlier about when I kill you, I'll do it quickly as a professional courtesy. And then this fight ends with, you know, he, he gets him with a knife, he stabs him, and he's like, that's embedded in your artery, you remove that, you die. 
that's a professional courtesy or whatever. So it's like yeah. seeing Common just seething, sitting there on the train as it moves off again. I think it does two important things, which is one, it builds a sense of like, this is why John Wick is so down and out. Like he has been facing this for an hour or two hours or whatever for just fighting person after person. He is worn down and he's still not close to getting to to Santino. And two, there's just a sense of humour to yeah. it all, which yes. I think is something that isn't really there in the Raid 1. No. Like, the Raid 1's quite, I'm not going to say po face because it does have, like, it's got that tongue-in-cheek with the dog dying, and, like, that is the one-sentence pitch is is amusing, but I don't think that humour mm. carries over into the movie in the same way that it does in this movie. But it's also not really present in the Raid, either. Like, there yeah. isn't a sense of humour to the fight scenes in either Raid movie. Yeah. In the same way. They introduce a little bit of it in two, but not like this. And yeah, this one I feel there is an actual they're 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 with you. You're like, isn't this silly almost? But not in a way that mocks it, just to like I don't know, just the farcical nature of it, the the craziness and they, they will carry it through, but I think this is where they're achieving it the best. And and he realizes this is a lot, so he approaches a homeless man and he hands him one of the coins and he shelters him and he shoots two people and he is taken to the Bowery King, at which point Ben Phillips texted me very excitedly <laughs> because here's Lawrence Fishburne. Uh-huh. And I'm sad. I'm they sad are cowards that... for not casting Carrie Ann Moss in three. Yeah, I'm sad because obviously Lawrence Fishburne's another one of the people who did an extensive amount of fight training for the Matrix. Like that a lot he of never gets stuff... a fight scene. He never gets a fight scene, and it's and I know he's I know he of... can still go. I know he's older, but well, that's I... thing is because uh, yeah, have you seen Hannibal? Uh, no. There is a sequence in Hannibal where he gets to bust out some of the Matrix stuff that he learned, but even that at this point was about five years before this movie, and not that Lawrence Fishburne doesn't look good, but he's definitely looking like uh, an almost 60-year-old man, a lot more than Keanu Reeves is. Yeah, he's 58 and Keanu is... 55. 55, yeah. But he's never going to get enough credit for how fucking good his scenes are, in, particularly in Reloaded, that scene on top of the truck and stuff, like, for how spry he looks. And, and like, you know, the the roll and the katana slice and stuff like that. Like, he's never going to get enough credit. But I would have liked to see them throw out some kind of... Fu- like, there are ways around it if he just doesn't physically have it anymore but just to see him do something would be really cool i feel like we're getting close to him maybe getting to bust down in a future movie but i mean obviously given how the third one ends they kind of have to have him do something in the fourth yeah but yeah and obviously like he isn't in it a lot he's just here to kind of set up the next stage of the plot like he gives he tells John Wick that he's the Bowery King and kind of runs the the homeless people of yeah. New York, essentially. Yeah. And then he basically, John Wick manages to convince him into giving him, they treat his injuries and he gets a guide to, to where Santino is playing and they give John a gun with seven bullets. Yeah, because there's a seven million dollar hit on him. That's a million dollars around, baby. I love but, that he uses those immediately. Well, that's the thing is, I'm conflicted on it because they, they the setup is so good and it feels like they're just like, oh, fuck the setup. We're just going to pick up another gun on the floor. And yeah. I kind of wish maybe the, the scene was a bit more stealthy to start with and he used those seven bullets to kind of get to Santino, but instead he just shows up, shoots seven immediately and then picks up a new gun and the yeah. initial tension is gone. But I, I, it's a minor I think quibble. it's kind of funny though, but yeah, I guess, oh, some, yeah, it's funny. I guess something like in Deadpool 1 where he's counting his bullets down or, you know, just the general thing of like each bullet must count and how will he get around this with only seven, but then to see him just immediately unload seven bullets 
bullets into the first few people he sees. God, maybe they did change their mind, because obviously Deadpool was about a year before this. Yeah, I guess it was. Maybe they did kind of go, oh, we should change our plan for this. Deadpool has done this idea, so we're not going to be able to one-up him counting bullets, so we'll we'll just do... It almost feels like like a response to it, if you think about that chronologically, of like, yeah, like that joke was in every trailer, like him counting his bullets and everything. Or like they they released that scene before the movie or whatever. Yeah, is that is that the scene that they did as the test of concept? It was, it was that section of the movie for sure. It's him dropping off the the highway into the car and then yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, this this entire final stretch yeah is so good. Yeah, all the double tapping and chucking guns and more calm reloads and shooting people through walls and th- and but just just down to the video gaming structure of it, where each section feels like a level. Like you go yeah. from the art gallery. Is it, do they go to a kitchen, or am I misremembering? Uh, or is it is it just is it just? I mean, they start in the main the in the main seats. hallway, and then they go to what seems like a more traditional art gallery area. I think there might be a kitchen scene in there somewhere. Yeah, and then they end up and then they end up in the hall of mirrors, which is. I feel this promises more than it delivers. It's a very <sighs> interesting set, and they do some great camera work with it. Stuff like the doors closing between Ruby Rose and Santino. Her character is called Ares, by the way. They never tell you in the movie, but it is. Um, <laughs> I, I am looking at the Wikipedia page. I can see she's... I can. See, I was reading the synopsis as we're going through. I saw Santino sends Ares, his mute bodyguard, and I was like, Ares? Who's yeah. mute bodyguard? Oh! It's in the credits, but yeah. So yeah, another Greco-Roman thing here. But yeah, like when, when the doors close between the two of them, and like his his reflection appears. That's a good shot. And like when John Wick is is leaving, and like you can't tell if you're looking at a reflection or him as the doors keep you know the doors reflect off each other. And that's all interesting. But like I don't think the fight choreography delivered in this location is all that satisfying. I think it's, yeah, it's probably because I happen to think about the cameras and how they <laughs> yeah yeah like like they're more like right we can't have you stand in front of the camera because then it's harder to digitally paint out mm-hmm. the camera in the mirror and all these like different things that are probably just a hell of a headache to think through yeah i do like john looking at the mirror figuring out where the guy is and just mm-hmm. kind of turning to the left and shooting the guy yeah because you can see where he is in the reflection like yeah. it's always good in a movie when people yes. do that but um... i'm so smart that i know how the hall of mirrors works <laughs> Yeah. And it's not that it's bad. It's just, in my head, I guess I remembered this scene being, like, huge. And then it's just like, okay, it, it's fun. But it I was. think it, it definitely lacks, because whilst Ares has been a presence throughout the entire movie... You, you haven't have gone to see her... You haven't gone to see Mad Dog kill Jacka before he fights Rama. Yeah, you almost wish that Common was after this in some ways because Common was yeah. so much more of an interesting threat and I do wish Common comes back at some point to this franchise. Hey, you don't see a body. <laughs> you don't see a body. But yeah, like Ares, her one thing is like she sends a whole load of masked people after John Wick and the catacombs. She kind of disappears for a little bit as like a recurrent presence and then they do. she does get the kind of the big villain face off that Nightfist got in the first movie. But yeah. And like, you know, she navigates her way through the, the hall really well and stuff like that. But yeah, I kind of wish we got a scene where you got to see her fuck somebody up or something like that, just to build her even more. But it's still fun. And then Santino escapes to the Continental, 
where he's just so fucking smug as he's like, oh, have you seen everything they've got on the menu? You could live here for like a month and not eat anything twice. And then John just fucking pops him in the head. <laughs> and yeah, that, that is breaking the rules of the Continental, so all those services are now closed to him. And then killing a member of the high table gets him the open contract. Well, that's how I read it anyway. He's- yeah, they, they, what, they double it and then send it outside of New York as well, so it's not just yeah. New York hitmen who can come for him. And like, Winston giving the order and then everyone in the area just freezing and looking at him and then also afterwards when he's walk- he's running away, well he starts walking away and just more and more people are getting texts and looking at him funny and then he starts running away, like this idea that there are so many of them that you don't even know about. It's, <laughs> there is no one in New York who isn't aware of this. Exactly like everyone in New York is an assassin, there are five civilians <laughs> and maybe that explains how they're able to get away with just murdering people in plain sight without anyone <laughs> noticing. But Oh yeah. look, John Wick's at his old bullshit again. Yeah exactly. It's really good Like, and I think this is a satisfying ending in a way that the third one definitely isn't because it, it introduces this giant like, oh fuck, now he's like against everyone and he doesn't get to have a sommelier and a you know all these different experts he's it's really him against everyone with no help and it's like the promise of that is huge and seeing him and the dog running away at the end it's like oh shit off he goes now what and i was all in for like right give me a third one and then we'll talk about what happens there but i think this is much better than the first one i would put it above the raid too i don't know if i'd put it above the raid i probably wouldn't but yeah so good. Three fights, I guess. I don't know, what would you go for? I want to go for the montage, leading yeah. into the kind of common fight. I, I think... would put them as one. Like, the New yeah. York montage leading to common is one, and that's number one. So number two would end up being that final set piece all the way through the kind of museum. Okay. And then number three is the catacombs. Yeah. I'd probably swap those just because I do quite like that catacombs scene and like you have to tack Cassian on the end there as well. Yeah, I think both, I think the Cassian fights are what really elevates this movie. And hell, I think the entire thing is elevated by the confidence in the world building that they do Mm -hmm. and just that they actually manage to figure out how to have a single person be a realistic physical threat to John that is present throughout the entire movie, which I think is where one and three both are less interesting. Mm, yeah, they try with zero, but they yeah. try with but zero. Cassian but Cassian is you got to feel for Cassian as well. Like that's the thing. Like he has just as much of an emotional yeah. need to do this as John does, which I think is something that is missing. Where everyone else is just doing this because of money or because it's fun to say I fought John Wick. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he is for sure the best antagonistic force uh, in the franchise, and I would love to see him come back and then somehow convince him to work with John to take down the high table. You know, that may <laughs> that's quite a challenge to get them back on side, but who knows what will happen there. I'll kill them, I'll kill them all. That's just not a good line read from Keanu, in my opinion. (laughs) We'll get to it, Matt, we'll get to it. it. Also, Winston hands him a marker at the end, and it is not the one for Sophia, so I don't know if that's... I think it is the one for Sophia. It's not, because he collects that from the library along with the necklace. So I don't know if it's a continuity error or if it's a second marker that will come into play later. But yeah, Winston gives him his head start and off he goes. And it's it a great tracked end. when I watched it, but... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just gets the necklace from the library, but I thought he got both the necklace and the marker. But I mean, you can fire it up in, a, in the break between episodes if you want, but... Yeah. I'm... Anyway, uh, that is, the, is John Wick 2. Very good film, a very good sequel more than that I would say. The art of the sequel is not always easy to pull off and I think this 
just go it makes it bigger and better and it has a very satisfying ending that makes you want to see another one so they nailed it and that's another episode of kicky punchy men i just want to say one important thing before we wrap up what's that the john wick wiki is called the john wiki (laughs) bye everyone (laughs) 